Welcome to Cut 2, the late show for creatives, but not necessarily that late today, it's only half past three and it's a Monday. But that doesn't stop the, the ball rolling and today we've got a guest episode, a very special guest episode. Our guest today is a talented cinematographer, a graduate from the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. She's at the early stages in her career, working her way up in the camera department. And I have no doubt in my mind that she is proving her skills, her talent, and her ambition to become a director of photography later down the line. We know her as Flo, but some people know her as Florence Gilbertson. Flo, welcome to the show. Hi! Welcome, welcome. That Thanks for joining us. That was an introduction and a half. I know. <laughs> I'm kind of sweating. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Well, I have to inform you, though, that it is, in fact, Tuesday, not Monday. Oh. <laughs> you didn't. I don't think you had to inform anything. As you can see, I've swapped my beer for a coffee, and that's why. What? I wonder if have you done that on my account or is it just too early? I, I have to I have to be completely honest that I decided to have a cup of tea as well because <laughs> of the time the time of the day it was. Slanjava. Cheers. Cheers everyone. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, I suppose. That's our model. Agreed. Obviously we went to uni together, um, me and Martin, and like I remember there was one there was one morning where him and me and our good friend Ansi, Ansi Tiefman, um showed up for a grad film and everything and we were like prepping all the kit and getting everything ready and it was i was like really tired and i was late and the two lads are like what's wrong with you and i was like lads i was at the pub last night and you both just like fell flat <laughs> you were like i can't believe it because like, there have been many a morning where i'd sort of like Got new guys going on a. He'd had a, a bit of a, a wild one the night before, but it was me that time. And I remember actually feeling probably prouder of myself in that moment than any other moment. <laughs> the tables have turned. Yeah. The tables have turned. Well, Flo, I've I feel like I've barely scratched the surface in terms of an introduction to yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. A bit about myself. Oh gosh. Uh. Well, I guess I like Martin said. I'm a graduate of the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. Uh, I did the BA film course. I was part of the first cohort to do the new BA film course. So we were the guinea pigs, mm -hmm. which was quite fun. So yeah, that's probably where like I got the majority of like my training. Um, but now I'm working in the industry, like Martin said, I'm working as a camera trainee. So that's sort of like the, the bottom rung right now of, of, of the camera team, but a very important rung, as my lovely uh, bosses always tell us. Um, so yeah, uh, since graduating, I mean, I lived through a pandemic, which is fun. And then I've worked on a couple of Amazon Prime shows and recently just come off of um, uh, the latest series of Shetland. So I've been up in the North Sea getting blasted by ice and wind for the better half of this year. <laughs> um, so a lot of what I've done is actually 
around the North Sea because uh, the show I was on in the Amazon was also set on an oil rig in the North Sea. So I was like, I'd like to maybe go somewhere tropical next. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at the minute. And I'm sort of working towards stepping up to being a uh, second assistant camera. So a clapper loader uh, for those of you who are down with the lingo. For those who aren't down with the lingo, please, please tell us what a clapper loader is. Uh, so yeah, so a clapper loader is, like I said, the, the second AC. So if you see them on the credits, that's that's probably what they're down as. And they are the assistant to the first assistant camera, who is the focus puller, who pulls the focus on the camera. And the clapper loader is in charge of the clapper board, which is the fun bit. Uh, so you get to do all the, you're, you're that person in the blue that everybody's like, oh. Um, <laughs> and then, so you, you're also in charge of the media and the camera. So you're the one that's, because traditionally you loaded the film. Uh, so nowadays it's more of loading the digital media, whether that be like a big codex or a digital mag or anything like that. So you're, that's kind of the scary part of the job because, you know, I was like left on the floor to cover for the loader on, on rig and the, some of the cards took, like one of the cards was only 40 minutes on the card and we had like a six minute take. And I was sitting there like with my watch, like just looking at the screen, like panicking. Cause I was like, <laughs> was, I have to reload the camera like now, otherwise we're not getting that taken. So that's kind of the scary bit of being a loader. And then you also sort of handle all the ins and outs of all the goods from rental houses. So there's a lot more like nitty gritty and you're also like in charge of the trainees like me. <laughs> and then possibly might uh, apply again for the National Film and Television School. Uh, mm. I've applied once before, obviously didn't get in, but we're going to keep trying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that would be for the, the cinematography course. Um, as Martin put it, I would like to be a DOP one day or a director of photography. Uh, so going to take a stab at that, maybe, hopefully, see if that works out. Well, definitely you've proven yourself with, you know, that hands-on experience. So that'll definitely go, you know, some far away in terms of your application. So the fact that you're handling the media that all of this really expensive content is shot on like you know crews of tens of people you know sometimes 100 plus probably and um, and you're the one you're the one who's responsible for the the bitty bit that has all all of the stuff on it like that's yeah. that's no small deal that's no small deal well it was always a bit nerve-wracking because um on the rig the the a camera uh second assistant camera is a wonderful guy called um pete candler him and and the first uh, chris maxwell were like We'll get Florence on the floor a bit more and everything because you know you're a trainee you're there to be trained and everything they would get me in to do a couple boards and stuff and everybody's like oh it's fine you get to do like the sentry boards which is like um whenever you're like 100 or 200 300 you get the gist you get to do like a fun board so you get to do lots of colors and things the ones on the rig got really out of hand I did like a whole I actually just scrapped the board once and just made a boat out of cardboard and put a big 800 on it and just had the sticks. So I just went in with a boat and some sticks and was like, this is the 800 one. And everybody was like, <laughs> okay. Um, the, the, it was mostly because the DOP was obsessed with these boards and he loved them. And he would turn to me and he goes, Foxy, Foxy, bigger. <laughs> I was like, what to do? <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, that's what I was mostly coming on to do. I wasn't aware that they had had this conversation. <laughs> so Pete would hand me the notes because you have to take notes 
of all the camera setups and everything that and then I have to translate into digital ones later but the loader keeps the notes and he would like hand me the book and um he'd be like I've just got to go sort something out in the room for for a couple minutes and everything I'd be like yeah it's fine he's like just stand there he's like nothing's happening I'm like cool and then like literally like a, a rehearsal and then me having to put down marks and then like get the camera moving to the Charlie camera and now it's on a crane and like all this stuff later <laughs> and like three three loads and stuff later Pete would kind of come back and be like anything happened I'd be like oh it's fine <laughs> but I you know getting chucked in the deep end that's that's how you learn I suppose so absolutely I, I, I always like that yeah and that's a good point and maybe just to bring it back slightly you mentioned that you you studied at the Royal Conservatoire but what, what a lot of people don't talk about is kind of that transitionary period where you leave uni, you shit yourself because you're like, oh fuck, the, the real world. And then you need to kind of get yourself into entry-level jobs or just into that industry. How was that transition for you? And I guess, what do you need to succeed in, in doing that? Well, I mean, kind of like I said earlier, it is different for everybody. It was a bit different for me because I graduated in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I essentially left uni for Easter holidays and never went back, which was cool. It was a bit of a lull in the industry when I finished uni. So like, unfortunately for me, no one was taking on trainees because what was filming was really minimal crew. Uh, so they were just like, we, we can't have a trainee and everything. Just like, But I think the, the, the advice I give is literally it's, it's it's networking it's what everybody says and it's like the magic word everybody's like must build your network and you're like how do i do this which is literally just email everybody you can think of the way i kind of weaseled my way in was we had some people come to university to do some camera workshops and we had a lovely cinematography uh professor john rhodes big shout out big up john rhodes um, and he got me on a project in my third year before lockdown. It was January 2020. Uh, it was up in Glencoe and it was freezing. It was so cold and I didn't get paid because <laughs> it was all for part of my uni like work experience, i.e. cheap slave labour. But I got fed <laughs> and I had a ha I had a place to live. <laughs> but I was it was cold and really hard going but it was really fun like i mean it was still it was still really fun it was two weeks up there and basically from that and like the the focus pillar i met on that and then and the the loader on that i just sort of kept in touch with and uh you just don't let those connections go like if you make a connection in the industry you have to like it's like a little tiny little fire you have to kind of keep like building it up and stuff because people do forget who you are so try and remember everybody you talk to and keep those you know connections going because basically what i started doing was just emailing everybody um i went on uh, if you're in scotland i went on filmbang which is a directory for basically all the film professionals in scotland and all the knowledge which is the one for the youth like for england i think and i just sort of went down the list and uh oh i'm getting a phone call it could be work, so... Yeah, you know, feel free to put us on hold. Grab it. Grab it if you need to. I will. Hang on. Hello? I don't know who you are. If you are looking for a ransom... Hello? I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have, 
are a very particular set of skills. Uh, nope, you got a wrong number. Oh, that's upsetting. I thought it was going to be something cool. I applied for everything in lockdown because I was just scrambling to get work. Um, and then basically around January of 2020, I was like, oh no, 2021, I was like, I'm going to move back to Glasgow because that's where all of my connections are that's where the people I know are so then I moved back and then I did some, another round of emails to the same people I'd emailed and it was Chris Maxwell who got back to me and he was like I am looking for a trainee uh could you do a job in Edinburgh for two months I was just like yes awesome <laughs> so that two months ended up being four months and then uh so yeah but um, you've just got to be persistent with people, really. Or just be born into the industry because one of your parents or both of them are a famous actor, director, DF, you know, sort out your birth ahead of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, top tip, try and have a dad that's a DOP and you should be fine. You should be fine. <laughs> that's probably, that's actually a big thing because I don't know, I don't have any family, any connection. I just woke up one day when I was a kid and just like, I would quite like to work in the movies. I don't know how one does it, but you know, it's totally doable. I think that's the myth that needs to be shattered for a lot of people is like, it's totally doable. With a lot of hard graft, long hours and hard graft. Yeah. That's any job, isn't it? Yeah, you want to be a doctor, you're going to have to put in a lot of hard graft as well. Mm, um, it's just, very true. Yeah, less muddy fields, I suppose. <laughs> so speaking of all that, that hard graft flow, how much does that hard graft pay these days? What was your first kind of professional job and what what were the going rates for that? My first professional job where I got proper pay uh, was actually the rig. Because um, before then I'd just done kind of work experience things, which I wouldn't recommend to do a lot of. I mean, if you're a student, you can get away with it. But if you're... A working professional you can ask and you should ask for pay so i got paid on the rig uh the just the the, the beck two standard rate for a band three drama is i think it's 130 or 135 pounds a day uh that's your standard working day which is 10 hours on camera one hour lunch so it's 11 hour days yeah that that roughly comes up to what 560 five a week my maths is terrible. I'll take your word for it. My maths is also terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're in the film industry. <laughs> Mine is amazing, but I refuse to use it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, so about £130 a day. Um, and that is, that's before you get taxed and everything, obviously. Um, there's nothing more depressing than getting your first like pay slip. You're like, oh, and then it's like, oh, where's, yeah. where's all my money gone? <laughs> and were you on PAYE? Or were you invoicing for that? Yeah, so if you're a trainee, you will be PAYE. And loaders are normally PAYE. But I believe now, you might have to fact check me on this. But it's just such boring banter now. HMRC, I think, has recognised uh, loaders now. So you can invoice if you're a loader. Which ah, is, that's uh, interesting. Which, which is actually quite good. Because it means that, um, obviously, you, you, you are responsible for your taxes and national insurance and everything but uh it means you're not PAY as a loader because you get taxed a silly amount of money um because our work obviously is like four months at a time so they pay you like you're working for only the four months but the tax is looking at it like that's what you get for 12 months so you normally get taxed a little bit more you were talking about like making sure that you asked to get paid and that there are rates that are communicated by 
back two. The rate card, the back two rate card. You can look it up online. You can look up any position in the in the film industry. So like for the camera team, obviously at the very bottom, you'll find camera trainee, and it'll you'll find that it is the same thing across the board. <laughs>、um, it's different if you're working in commercials, though. Commercials pay more. So good work if you can get it.、Uh, so I think the commercial rate is two twenty a day for a trainee, not one thirty. Gosh, that's quite a bump. It is quite a bump.、Uh, commercials, you're working short of shoots, but normally longer hours. They're quite good. Like if you're working in the film industry, getting into commercials is a good way to sort of like fill up time between longer projects, or、um, again, getting a few more contacts and stuff. Because a lot of like Big focus pullers and loaders will, will pop onto commercials between jobs, so it's a good way to meet people.、Um, and also, you know, you have to just be so quick; you have to learn really fast on commercials because、uh, everything just runs a lot faster. So, if it was your first job and you got a call from a production office and you're like, "Hello," before you're like, "Yes, I'll have the job. That sounds amazing."、Um, they'll tell you what the rate is. And and the best thing to do is just hold that rate up against the rate card. And if it's less than the rate card, it's gotta be a really good job because the trainee, like I would say, it, it's it's low enough. If you're on a trainee job, and I would say, and you're not getting a chance to do any kind of loading work, so doing a clapperboard or learning how to load the camera or any work on the floor, if you're mostly just doing video and running cables. It's not a great trainee job. If you're on a job like that, be persistent and ask. To do more on the floor, because、uh, that's what the job is. It's being a trainee. You're literally there to be trained. It's a seller's market, is、yeah. my understanding. That now's now's the time to be really forcing your hand to bump up, you know, a position or two if you can wrangle it.、Um, but definitely to be to be looking for that that rate、yeah. that you should be getting, because、um, finding the right staff right now is super difficult. And it seems to be every industry,、yeah. you know. From my understanding, so yeah, go for it, youngins, go for it. Stick it to the man and/or woman. What's it like being a woman within film and TV, within the production department? And what's the? How many other, you know, women are working alongside you? What's the the kind of diversity like? Yeah, so I mean, in the time I have been working, I've actually gotten to work on. A few camera teams. Most of the camera teams I've worked on, I've not been the only girl, which has been pretty cool. Because、um, at uni, I was the only girl that was interested in camera,、uh, which it, it wasn't for want of girls in the course. There were quite a lot of girls in the course, but they they just weren't interested in camera. Which is fair enough.、Uh, there's a lot of carrying heavy crap. <laughs> <laughs> no one told me that. God damn it. So starting out, I was mostly. With with men,、um, which it, in my experience, I, I've only worked with really lovely people. I, I'm really lucky,、um, except for Martin. He was awful. I can vouch for that. <laughs> just 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 to be clear, it's that Martin. Right? <laughs> I'm pointing like this. That one. one. The, the guy holding the boom. Other Martin. The guy holding the boom. <laughs> no, I've I've been really lucky.、Um, you can kind of see a shift for more fifty-fifty sort of. Weighted crews now. I, I'm feeling like Shetland. We had a lot of females on that. It, not necessarily、uh, in the camera department. But it was the first time in my life I've ever seen female sparks.、Uh, hmm. So、oh, the、awesome. cam. So for the lighting and electrical department, you know, there is definitely a shift 
um, which is nice. And, and, and why not? You know, I think more women are starting to get more interested in at least camera and ele- and like and lighting and electrical departments, which you don't normally see women in. Great news. Yeah. Yeah. And and Nancy Boys, which is the one I did dailies on not long ago, uh, they had three female trainees uh, and a female loader, and Erin Curry was the the focus one of the focus pullers on it as well. So, you know, running three cameras, I mean, that's, you know, quite a heavy, uh, female heavy camera scheme, which is quite good. Awesome. That is mm-hmm. awesome. So, yay! <laughs> Cut to! Cut to! Talk to us about the best and worst parts of your job. I can already guess some of the worst, but let's hear it from you. <laughs> What's your guess of the worst bit? I want to know. <laughs> yeah, on you, on you go, Matt. M- much of what, what you've just said, like a lot of long hours, trudging up mountains, carrying like hundreds of kilograms of kit in all kinds of weather conditions. It's enough to put me off anyway. That's what Flo signed up for, no? <laughs> true, that true. Is a good. I mean, it is a good question. Because it's all yeah. the behind the scenes stuff, though. No one, no one get. They just get to see the shiny finished product. So what, what is the worst and best? Good, good question. It, it's kind of it's it's a, it's a thing of pros and cons because, I mean, yes, there's lots of trudgery and you know carrying kit on beaches. I'll do a hill. It's a beach. I want to just do a 180 and go home. <laughs> I'm like uh, Shetland, of course, is nothing but beaches. There were some days we showed up and they were like. Uh, so the directors probably want the 17 inches down on the beach, but you can't walk on that bit of the sand because footprints. So you're just going to have to climb over all of these rocks carrying that 17 inch. Is that fine? And you're like, no. <laughs> but at the same time, I've got to go up and spend a lot of time up in a very beautiful part of the world, uh, seeing seals and orcas and like all uh, you know swimming in the bioluminescence and stuff like that so it's like you know there's some serious pros and cons you're like ah, you know what i could be in a stuffy office uh mm. or i could be out doing this and you know i i would say if you don't like nature in the outdoors do not be a camera assistant in scotland because um, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, that won't work out well for you if not. But uh, <laughs> one of the big cons that you said, Martin, is, pro- is probably sometimes the hours. Uh, they can really drain on you, I think. Um, because like, I mean, when you say your, your standard day is 11 hours long, that, that's a standard day. Um, you know, you can have a semi-continuous, which is like, however, however many hours, just 10 hours. And then you can have like, you know, a, a, a continuous day is nine hours. And you're like, whoa. But you don't get a lunch. You don't get a lunch break. I mean, you get lunch, but you have to like, it's a working lunch. So uh, it can be a bit like for people who, who maybe struggle with the concept of a nine to five, it's not really, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't, not I wouldn't for you. Uh, say that. Yeah, it's not for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I struggle. I struggle with that eight hours plus lunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it gets really sad when you like get the call sheet through the night before and you're like, ah, oh, like a 6am call time but you're like oh, that means 5pm wrap you're like yeah <laughs> I'm gonna get home for 6 <laughs> like, what? I, I would say if you're someone who like wants you know it's like oh I need to have social life all the time because I mean when I'm on shoot it's really boring but I'm like I'm in bed by like half 10 because <laughs> uh, you know if you don't have at least 6 hours sleep I mean you can just write off the next day yeah especially if especially if it's like a location day i mean 
you know, if you don't have rest, you're just going to absolutely destroy your body <laughs> um, trying to keep up with that kind of that kind of graft. So, Flo, with all those those long hours and trips all around Scotland, England, it must be pretty tough to manage a work-life balance. So how, how do you go about managing yours? Uh, very carefully. Um, no, I, I think it's actually something I'm still working on. Like, it's hard. Um, and obviously, because I'm still a baby considered, you know, con- compared to everybody else. So, like, I mean, I mean case in point, when... I was like, finished Shetland and that was a little over four months. So that was from like September to the first week in January was was Shetland. So that took, you know, that was a massive chunk of my time. I went full pelt since March. So like I was on the rig from March all the way to August. And then I had about three weeks off um, and then I went straight on to Shetland. So that was six weeks up on location in Shetland and then however many weeks back in Glasgow. I kind of was like getting to the end of Shetland and I was like, I need to take a break. I need, you know, not do any work. I need to just actually have some time off. When you're working freelance, you get really panicked about saying no and you get really panicked about when your next job's coming. So the compulsion is just to be like, oh crap, well I had two days, I can go straight on to something else. You know what I mean? And I got, I got really bad for that actually when I was at uni. I think I learned my lesson the hard way. It was second year of uni and like, Martin will remember, we were filming the three big grad films during that time. But I was also filming all of the second year shoots at that time. And on top of that, I took two jobs on like different, on like different um, things outside of uni. So I was doing camera training work outside of it. So I was like on a shoot basically solidly for six months. And like, I was spent, I mean, completely like dead. And it was great because I had so much experience and I'd worked and I'd met people and everything. And like my flatmate looked at me and who, who doesn't work in the film machine, she just looked at me, she was like, you've been on shoots for a solid six months, you need to calm down. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so I think for me, that work-life balance is still really hard. Um, yeah. But important to, to figure out if you want to keep going at a certain rate. Otherwise, you will just burn out. Like, you need to take that time off to just yeah, reset. Definitely, definitely. But I think in terms of, like, being able to hang out with people and the friends and, like, have a life, you, you can, in fact, have a life outside of the hours. <laughs> it does exist. Shall we? More working. Yeah. Two. Two. I was I was reflecting on uh, you coming on the show and some of the other guests that we've had on the show. Um, well, I guess two so far, um, both older. What I'm looking forward to is chatting with more people like yourself, Flo, who are not after 30, 40 years in the industry telling us what it's like, is you're telling us what it's like right now like right now coming up in the industry as a young creative like what is it really like and i really appreciate your honesty because i think if i if i listened to more of the the honesty about this um i may have been better prepared for my early jobs in the industry in terms of thinking about your industry kind of now and and moving forward you mentioned earlier you know there used to be film loaded into a camera and now it's in solid drives and etc how is technology changing uh, and what what kind of technology have you seen recently on your work that 
people may not be generally aware of that's happening right now? Oh, this is fun because I actually really have an answer for this. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely the digital world is like is really coming into play and like everything now is large format. So for for the friend for the friends at home who maybe don't know what that means, it, basically the, the bare bones of it is there's a sensor in the camera which is what the light hits and that's what records the image. The sensors now are, uh, are bigger, so you can get a wider image, but with a nicer depth of field. That's a very, very simplified reason for having large format. It makes like a, a 50 mil lens look like a 35 mil lens. What it means is that you can get like the nice uh, bokeh of, of a 50 mil. Um, but with the shot size of a 35 mil. So, you know, your wide shots, there's more depth of field. It stops things looking as flat. So that's like one of the benefits of shooting large format. And also there's a shift to like, not so much shooting on green screen, but shooting in something like, like the volume, which is what they use on The Mandalorian. For, you know, so that's like shooting against a backdrop that is like LED panels. So you basically build a wall of panels um, and then you build a ceiling as well. And sometimes they're like big round ones. Uh, and then they're using one up in Scotland in a minute for Anansi Boys. And I got to go and see it. I was telling you guys about it earlier, but like it, it really did blow my mind because at first I was like, I was, but I watched The Mandalorian, massive Star Wars fan. And I remember being like, ah, if you're Disney and you've got this budget to build something like this, why don't you just fly everyone to the desert to then shoot it in the desert and not use a volume? But it also has a lot of really cool things. You can completely control the light. So like I was stood there next to um, the, DI, the DIT, uh, Mark Campbell, and he was just like, watch this. And he literally just pressed like a couple keys on his laptop and all of a sudden it went from like this red sunset to like a bluey pink sunset. And like, he's like the DOP comes in and then he checks it all and he's like, oh, this is, I believe this section. I don't believe this bit. And you're like, I'll just pick up this mountain and move it over there then. And you're like, it does actually feel real. And that's so cool. And it was really exciting to see. Um, it was also lovely and warm in there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to move Kit very far. I know, I, I'm so boring. I'm literally just like remarking on like the weather. But you know, it's, it's really clever because like it gives the actors something to actually react to when they're all in there together. And they're like, you know, rather than like looking at a big blue screen like we have at the ring, you know, being like, over there is, look, it's the boat. And it's literally like the word Charlie on a stick because it's like, can, you know, and it's just like, it's not quite the same thing as like seeing an actual boat. So I think, you know, I think that's actually a really big game changer in like how things are shot in a studio. But also it means that you can shoot the African savannah in Leith. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, in Edinburgh. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, um, you can go anywhere in your imagination in this in this volume. Uh, it's just—it's—it's it's really clever technology. So, is this a—is this a good example of how people talk about technology removing jobs and certain elements of an industry, but actually replacing it with other jobs and other things? Because that needs to be built, maintained. Someone needs to operate that. But you're removing locations, you know, off-site catering, all of this, all of this other stuff. Um, has that been spoken about in, in your circles about what this means to the traditional way of doing it? What I noticed were there were all of a sudden 20 more people in that room 
operating this massive wall um all behind they i mean they look like i i guess they're animators like vfx artists but they were on the set you know normally people you don't ever meet so that was kind of interesting and like they were the volume unit so they're like down with their computers all set up around it um so it's almost like live vfx creation i suppose i don't know <laughs> you can tell you can tell i don't work in vfx in a way yes it's sort of like why not just send everybody out into the back of beyond to go and shoot this and stuff but i i guess in a way you know in our world now that's changing so much with with covid and travel and things and restrictions it's a way of bringing the world to you know where we are boringly it all comes down to budget as well i mean like mm. if you if you can build if you have the massive budget for that that build that might be the same amount as getting everybody out to one of those locations let alone all the locations you might need but all those locations that you could recreate inside of this this volume so things evolve i think as well you know i think um you know like the loader's job has evolved from being a film loader to being a you know a, a digital loader and with that that changes the focus puller's job has changed drastically as well um you're not just pulling focus you're like you know you you manage the camera team you're you're in charge of all that logistics so i think as technology changes the the jobs change themselves when we're not on location anymore and we can use the volume can we have you know regular old hours and you know some what life? yes it was actually that like that was the first thing that crossed my mind was like we don't have to, like golden hour can be all day <laughs> you know you don't have to like there's no scrambling around for that uh, which is quite cool and then the purest of me watching Mandalorian was like that's part of the art and then it's like me sitting in a very comfy chair in a nice warm studio was like no 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 I can really see the benefits of this <laughs> <laughs> great insight great insight Flo you are in the early stages of your career and as a result you're probably learning so much in such a short space of time no Martin I can get you a job <laughs> fuck that was the whole point of this podcast was to get me a job. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self? Gosh, this is actually a really hard question. Um, I think probably actually just to go with the flow a little bit more. Um, I think when I started uni, I had a very rigid plan for how I wanted it all to turn out. Uh, which in a way was good. I think you should set goals, definitely. But I think how to get to those goals has drastically changed. I mean, I thought I wanted to be a director when I started uni. I mean, everybody does. Uh, and then I realized I was absolutely rubbish at working with actors and I can't write. I just like, you know, two things that I think are the main parts of being a director, I would say. A peer director. Um, what, what I really wanted to be was to be a director of photography. I just didn't know that yet. I mean, I think I think people just need to go in with an open mind. And and even like if you do start working in the industry, you know, if you started working in camera and just hate it, I mean, like do something else. I think you know, there's so many different jobs within the industry. It's not it's not just camera, acting, directing, sound. It's like you can flip and be an accountant and work in the industry. Like, you know, there's there's some there's something for everybody. I think to younger Florence, I'd probably just say like, you know, 
just relax and chill and just like it's gonna be okay <laughs> you know obviously work hard and you know be persistent with like trying to get to know people and stuff but like you know the, the work will come uh it, it was, it's been a hard that's been a hard lesson to learn i think it's just sort of like you know it, it, the work does come and once once you're in you know you're in and like uh just sort of you know chilling out and being okay with saying no to things that's probably the big lesson i'm still trying to learn <laughs> it's okay you can say no no that's great advice yeah for someone trying to you know if anybody listening to this is like i'm I, I can't even say no because i can't even say yes yet obviously you know say yes when the job comes but you know when you're in a position where you you feel like you can it's okay that work-life balance i think is a lot more important than we give it credit for all the cool flash technology and movies in the world are not gonna make up for lost time i know it's kind of deep <laughs> no great. but it's great yeah. answer. and a, a great answer to to end on as well Flo, thank you so much for sharing all this insight and it's been great catching up and hearing what you've been up to you've obviously been very busy and no doubt you will continue to be very busy um but yeah i think i speak for us both uh, when i say thanks for coming on it's been oh, amazing chatting with you thanks for having me a uh, real honor to be on here and talking to you guys and oh. sharing a little bit and everything hopefully my hmrc chat was not too boring nah we we we, we cut that immediately uh, oh good not, not 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 at all i mean see that stuff that stuff should be taught it should be known it's just not yeah it's, um, that's the so. stuff you didn't get taught at uni it's like yeah, how the hell am i supposed to get paid yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. but thank yeah. you so so much and and i guess um i i want to know if you get this a lot but do people say you know like just go with the flow does anyone oh, ever? Yeah. All, do you hit them? The do you hit them around the the back of the head for it, or? No, it's that one and run, Florence, run. I get quite a lot. <laughs> oh, it's in forest. All oh, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's stretching a little bit, but I'll, yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. It's a lot. I mean, there's what there's lots of potential. There's Florence Nightingale. Let's go with the flow. There's you know you know I, my other nickname on set is Flopsy, so that's a fun one for everybody. I've literally had a, a DOP like walking around a studio shouting Flopsy, Flopsy. <laughs> but that's story for another time. Oh. <laughs> Well, keep up all the great work and make sure you take the most of that downtime and I can tell you're going to go far. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Thank you guys so much. You're an absolute legend. See you, soon. See you later, Flo. Bye. See you Bye for now. Bye. Take care. Bye. Gosh, you can tell how much energy she has. Like she proper loves that job and, and a real good focus on her future. You know? Yeah. When we were in uni together, I had no concern that she would ever struggle to find work. It was more just getting that first job. And once she had that mm. first job and she just st just did what she does best, which is like an amazing job at assisting, then she'll just be busy until she can't work anymore. And evidently. <laughs> until the industry breaks yeah. her. Yeah, until she breaks. <laughs> One thing I was super impressed about how Flo communicated herself was on the screenskills.com website, I thought this was such a, a well-written introduction to her. And she says, uh, graduate of conservatoire, yeah, 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 yeah. Working towards more senior camera assistant roles with an ultimate aim of becoming a director of photography. That yeah. is such a good explainer of where she is now and where she wants to be without saying, I'm a director of photography, which is which is what people always kind of go like, 
you know, I'm a director of photography, and you're not. You've been a director of photography on your student projects or personal projects. Doesn't make you in the industry, of course. So I thought that was a really great way to explain who she is, what she does, and where she wants to be. Uh, and you can see that that's where she's working towards. So I just wanted yeah. to make that point. Because I thought it was, a lot of people struggle with that when they're not mm. there yet, but they kind of want to be, and they think, oh, if I just say I am, I will be. Yeah, the way she's worded it, she hasn't penned herself in to like a junior role. It's it's very open, and and you could totally get from from her that it was um it was so important that interpersonal skills, like all of those soft skills in terms of working in a team, creativity, mm. resilience, all of that that stuff that isn't related to her physical job is so important. Um, I feel inspired. Thanks, Flo. Awesome. Well, Martin, do you wanna do you wanna read us out? Three, two, one. Cut to the podcast is a late show for creatives and it's produced in Glasgow, the capital of the world, and uh, produced by Full Show Studios. If you like what you heard and saw, head on over to cut-2.com and you can find our whole catalogue of um, shows and subscribe, hit the bell button, like it, comment, share with your friends. And if you want to sponsor us by sending free beer, please do. My inbox is open, um, and Finn's, and the cut inbox, and just